Hello, my name is Samuel George London and welcome to Comics for the Apocalypse. On today's episode, I speak to comic book artist, writer, podcaster and all-round awesome bloke, Vince Hunt, about what comics he would take into the apocalypse. But before we get into it, if you do enjoy the show today, please leave a review for us on iTunes or whichever podcast service you use, as not only will it let me know that you liked it, but I believe that it helps others aware of the show as well. Uh, Now, without further ado, on with the show. Hello, Vince Hunt. How are you doing? I'm good. How are you, Sam? You I'm well? good, mate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've been really well. Um, it's been a busy old month for me um, with the with the Kickstarter and things, but uh, it's uh, you don't do things by halves, do you? It's like a Kickstarter and a podcast. <laughs> I know. Yeah. I just launched them at the same time. I don't know yeah. what I was thinking. It's been <laughs> um, yeah, been chock a block this whole month. But uh, it's been worth the, it. It's been fun. Did you think the podcasting game was going to be easy? Uh, no, I didn't think it was going to be easy. Um, it's probably been yeah. more work than I thought. Yeah, um, to be honest. But uh, yeah, I, I mean, I've I've kind of got a bit of a uh, a rhythm and structure now. So yeah. uh, I feel like the future is going to be easier. But kind of like you know, ironing out the creases was was difficult. But yeah, I think it's all it's it's not too bad now. Um, yeah. But at the start, it was a lot of work. Um, but uh, speaking of podcasting and things, uh, for for any of the listeners that don't know, uh, what what do you do in the world of comics? Um, well, I am I, I create a comic called The Red Mask from Mars, um, which is self published all myself. Um, I've been doing that for a couple of years, on and off. Um, but some people might know my voice. Um, as nasally as it is, <laughs> um, from um, the sort of comics podcast, the Awesome Comics Podcast, which is um, been going a couple of years now. Got a, um, got a few hundred, well, almost two hundred in the bag as we speak. Amazing, a British uh, institution now, mate. <laughs> yeah, I, sh- I should be institutionalised. I'll tell you. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's it's sort of we've been going for a couple of years now. It's weekly, um, huge amount of fun, but. Um, and it's a bit different because, I mean, you know what it's like with this show. I mean, there's comic podcasts, there's not exactly a shortage of them. Um, but it's finding that something different. And also, because ours is fairly indie-based, especially UK, where, you know, I've said mm. it a couple of times before, we're a niche within a niche within a niche. But um, but the community is so passionate about it. And I mean, I, I started it along with uh, like Tony Esmond and Dan Butcher, and previous guests of this show um and i listen to their episodes just to find out more about them let's <laughs> <laughs> find uh, out their darkest secrets yeah 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 oh god you don't want to know them dude. yeah i really Seriously. don't Honestly, no i don't um yeah but we, we but we started it um kind of with with the intention of just getting the word out about independent comics and because you know what it's like we've been to conventions and you pick up so many amazing books that you're not going to hear about yeah. you're not going to see in your in your comic shop so it was like right let's have an avenue to shout out about those and get the word out and also from a selfish perspective um i'm always on the hunt for knowledge and finding out stuff so getting the chance to talk to you know creators of all shapes sizes whatever you know how they work or 
you know, the shortcuts, for instance, like Kickstarters, you know, I mean, I haven't done one yet. You're on your second as we speak, but yeah. it's something I don't necessarily know about. And I've talked to a few creators about them. And, you know, so I'm trying to find out bits as well as just yeah. having a good entertaining sort of show. So I hope um, that the show is um, entertaining, but also informative and people discover a lot of books. I mean, I'm very, I'm very sort of pleased with the community, the little community that's sort of built up around it. And, you know, um, yeah, it, it's, it's fun to do every week. So, oh, very much, you know. and that that really shines through on the yeah. on the show itself. And yeah. you know, you, um, you should be very proud of the show because it's. I mean, oh, uh, it really is feels like it's an institution now, um, <laughs> a British institution in terms of uh, indie and, and small press in the UK. Um, I, I, I couldn't imagine the community without it. Um, so, uh, you know, congratulations on creating yeah. such a such a great community. Um, and uh, it's always a pleasure to see you see you at cons. Yeah. Oh, that. Well, that's nice to hear. <laughs> yeah. Oh, totally, yeah, mate. Yeah. Get get my uh, copies of the awesome comic um, oh, yeah. signed as well. Um, speaking of which, uh, where can people find you and and uh, buy copies of awesome comic? Oh God, here we go. The links already. Um, self promo. Yeah, on. the self promo, which I'm uh, <laughs> terrible at. But um, yeah, you can find me sort of on the ether of the internet um on twitter i do twitter and um instagram i'm trying to do a bit more instagram mm. now especially um like artwork and stuff but they're both um at jester diablo and uh yeah you can find out more about my actual comic at the red but if you want to see the the comic that all of us from the podcast actually put together a four issue anthology comic um, called Awesome Comics, highly original title considering the, <laughs> the name of the show. But so I, I, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, completely. Um, I, th- I believe that's awesomecomicpod.bigcartel.com. Um, Perfect. I, I hope it is because I've just thought of that off the. I've just come up with that off the top of my head. Um, I'm, I'm fairly I, certain it is. Yeah, I'm fairly certain. <laughs> I mean, we we keep sort of like having to drop that in every week on the show so it'd be terrible if i got it wrong <laughs> well if, if if we did get it wrong people could go to the show notes and, uh, and properly check yeah. through on yeah. there so so not a problem yeah um, that's a job and, in itself show notes isn't it oh. yeah <laughs> especially if you have one of those weeks where everyone is mentioning everything and you're like right yeah because I'm, I'm i don't know about you i'm constantly making notes as i'm sort of li- you know i'm involved in the conversation but i'm making notes of oh they swore then uh, yeah, exactly. Timestamp. Timestamp. Yeah, time <laughs> yeah. Um but no, no, it's all all good fun. But yeah, if you want some comics, head over there because um I think you'll enjoy them. We did. Yeah. We have actually um if you look on the Awesome Pod Twitter, um we have actually issue one of Awesome Comic is available now for free. So if you want oh, to just download yeah. the PDF, there's a there's a Dropbox link so you can just find it and test it out for yourself. Perfect. So. Well, that's very kind of you. Um <laughs> And uh, and the lads, kind or cruel, so. depending on how you feel about the book. <laughs> so, well, I thoroughly enjoyed it. So, oh, uh, okay. yeah, I'm, I'm I'm going with kind. Oh, um, so, uh, peeps, go go check that out for sure. Um, but uh, moving from that good news, I've got some bad news for you, Vince. Um, and unfortunately, um, one of the red buttons that are in the world that uh, world leaders have has been pressed oh. there's been a nuclear war has broken out oh. um, 
and you're in amongst it, I'm afraid. <laughs> it's pretty brutal. Yes, um, yes, and, yes. and my my first question is, what is your action plan for survival in this nuclear apocalypse? <laughs> um, <laughs> if I was being realistic, I would I'd be obliterated. Um, <laughs> but but I think the first thing we have to do is, what is the nature of this nuclear apocalypse? Because there are many kinds of nuclear pro- apocalypse. Yes. Right. Am I living? Am I living in a post-apocalyptic world? Yes. Or, or has the bomb just gone off outside? No. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> you, you, you weren't at the epicenter of the explosion. Oh. <laughs> that that God. that that had, uh, yeah that wouldn't work, would it? Uh, yeah. But uh, it's uh, it's hit um, kind of Russia, let's say. Yeah. Um, but uh, obviously that there's fallout from that that kind of has global yeah. implications i'm sure um yeah. in terms of uh food production Would, yeah uh, and uh and lots of other things kind of weather we're kind of living in a fallout world you know like the video games isn't it really it's yeah, um, yeah, exactly yeah. Mut- yeah mutants and uh snazzy um clothing so let's uh, go with that it's a, right. it's a fallout world now now i in in this world I've got a bunker. <laughs> Great. I don't have a bunker in real life. I just want to say what I'm about to say now. I, I'm not storing cans of food for months and months and months. I reckon this is a cover-up, and you actually do. And, if and you, it, and you well, don't want people knocking on your door when it does right. happen. If you find <laughs> several tins of ravioli in my cupboard, it's because there was probably a multi-pack offer, and I've, I've forgotten to eat them. <laughs> that's, I'll take your not, word for it. It's not because I. It, well, it's more alphabetic spaghetti, probably. Um, yeah, but you'd have to have a bunker. So you'd, you'd have to be prepared. Yeah. Um, if it just happened, I, I can't sort of say, "Oh, well, when the bomb went off, I um, I gathered all my things." And because you kind of, this was the worst apocalypse to get, dude. When, I, when you told me what this was, I thought, <laughs> great. Yeah, that's the yeah. Uh, nature it was, of the Oh, not the, the viral outbreak, you know, not the zombies, nothing cool like this. It's no it's painful <laughs> death and mutants. Deep joy. Yeah, it's <laughs> just, <laughs> just my luck. <laughs> I mean, any apocalypse isn't going to be great for you, but yeah, I'd say, totally you know, right. On on the level of bad ones, this is this is a bad one, right? So I'd I'd have to, you'd have to get to some sort of bunker like structure, yeah. and yeah, I mean, I, but I don't know. I've watched enough films to know that if you if you get into a bunker that's probably locked down with a group of people, that's just as bad as just being outside anyway. So are are we in this? Are we living in a sort of post fallout kind of world where you can go outside? Uh, for for limited amounts of time, oh, right? Okay. I'd say otherwise, yeah, radiation poisoning. Um, yeah. And then let's say, let's say that you get to get to pick and choose who joins you in the <laughs> bunker. No, 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 no. I'm not having that. <laughs> no, in your in, in your immediate area, let's say. In my immediate area. Yeah. Um. Well, obviously, um, my girlfriend Joe would be with me in the bunker. She actually probably live longer than me. Um, <laughs> she's better prepared. Um, there's um, well, <laughs> a few friends. My family's like thirty miles away, so I doubt okay. I could get to them in time. Oh, this is really bumming me out, dude. Already, yeah. Like, sorry about that. Well, maybe are, the, let's say that the bunker is about halfway between between you and the rest of your family. Oh uh, well, so you got your right. family. You I, got, would, you I, would, got, I would, I would, I would get my family. I get, I get some close friends. Um. 
Oh, I don't know. You don't want to invite any strangers in, do you? Oh, you're asking for trouble <laughs> there. Oh, yeah, yeah. You know, the one with the twitchy eye. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. Even if they've got a broken leg and sitting outside, don't let them in. No. Ever. God, you're, you're ruthless. <laughs> I'm, I'm becoming experienced now. You just yeah. got you know, <laughs> yeah. to cut the ties. I, I suppose you do this week on week, don't you? So, um, yeah, so you'd have to... It's a dangerous game in or outside with this sort of situation because people aren't meant to be locked up <laughs> like just underground or in oh, a bunker yeah. or anything for yeah. any any extended period of time you know like society just breaks down anyway doesn't it um and um i'd have to i mean i'm just gonna be a, i'm gonna be imaginary vince now i rule over my bunker with an iron fist awesome <laughs> And there I probably have an iron fist because I, I probably would have stuck my hand out the window to test what the what the air was like, and it burnt my left hand off. So now I actually have an iron <laughs> fist. Awesome. Uh, that is rad. Yeah. So, you know, I've become some strange Mad Max-like villain in my own dystopian world. Um, Wicked. Surrounded by tins of ravioli, it seems. <laughs> <laughs> the ravioli king, they call you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, amazing so as the ravioli king um, <laughs> I, I don't want i can we i don't want that name i mean that's gonna stick that's with such me. a good name the ravioli king <laughs> it strikes fear in the hearts of yeah. everyone that hears it I mean, I mean 30 years after the apocalypse this has happened you know ravioli won't be a thing anyway so it would probably be quite a menacing name because it just rolls off yeah. the tongue Exactly. But in the, in the immediate future, people will always know that I was named after Tim Pasta. <laughs> <laughs> but maybe it's a it's a sign of decadence after a while. Oh yeah, it's because great. you know Tim Food will become you know the best thing that you can have. Yeah, I mean you you can't, the person in control of of the supplies is the person in control of the world, aren't they? Really, if you think yeah. about. It. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So yeah. as the as the ravioli king, <laughs> um, <laughs> you 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 start to dictate uh, one day your your a list of comics. Yeah, um, and uh, the first comic that you that you dictate to all of your your followers um, <laughs> is uh, the the first comic you remember enjoying. Yeah. Okay. Well, firstly, am I the first person on this show to have created a cult? You have. Oh, you are. You are. Oh, which is amazing. Yeah, so. that is that is all I've ever wanted. <laughs> Brilliant. <laughs> um, but the first um, comic I'd, I'd get my followers to probably pick up. The first comic I remember enjoying. This was a difficult one to think about, actually. Um, because comics came into my life at a time when I don't think, you know, they were there but at what point do you really realise a comic is a comic? Does that make sense? Yeah, totally. You know, um, you know, you're reading a lot of things. And I certainly, when I was a little kid, and I was just drawing, and you know, I was using. I used to wind my parents up because I wouldn't find clean paper to to draw stick figures on. I would uh, use like the first couple of pages in a book. <laughs> You know, when you had a novel, there was a couple of blank pages at the beginning, at the end. Yeah, they were covered with stick drawings of Wolverine and Captain America. Brilliant. Which was, <laughs> and my art hasn't changed much since. No, um, but, but if I think about like the first one I truly remember that left an impression on me, the one that um, I had, which you know 
was in the house and I just read over and over. And this was a, a book that I think might have come out before I was born, actually, but I don't know how he had a copy in the house. And it was Marvel Teen, Team Up uh, number 69, um, which is featuring Spider-Man and Havoc. Um, I, I believe um, Marvel Team Up was pretty much a big Spider-Man teams up with different heroes every sort of month kind of thing. Mm. Um, but this was an issue that has like sort of like John Bernard, which as a child, I'm totally unaware of. Do you know what I mean? But just okay. everything just seemed to appeal to me about it. Um, I actually bought the issue fairly re- recently. I had it on my pull oh, list nice. to get a copy of it. Cause um, yeah, Chris Claremont wrote it as well. So this thing oh, has, right. yeah, it has narration for days. yeah um but look looking at the issue i've got now i mean the one i had when i was a little kid i remember it was just red you know tatty it was read to death um you know you read all those wonderful sort of the adverts and stuff for the stamps and you know different sort of ad you know adverts for like skateboards and things you'd find in the comic Mm. but the the art itself just really captured me and if I mean, I knew Spider-Man. I was aware of Spider-Man at this time. But Havoc, um, obviously now as we speak, I think most of us know who Havoc is, really. Um, But this was at the time when Havoc had that sort of all-over black bodysuit with the strange three sort of... How would you describe it? That headgear. Um, It's got like three sort of um, metal bands sort of wrapped around his head. Kind of like um, a doctor's light thing yeah yeah but kind of expanded <laughs> yeah and um and it was cool because his his powers obviously had like the, the sort of ring style energy blasts and because he had a black costume that you know you get some great visuals with that and it's basically if you, if you look at the cover it's like between the pharaoh and the force so the two of them you know havoc and this pharaoh character are fighting each other and spider-man stuck in the middle you know classic sort of you know, <laughs> c- cover um if i look at it now um, like like the bad guy, the villain in the issue. I mean, it's the sort of villain that I'm I'm not too fond of now. Do you know what I mean? There's a lot of things right. that, you know, I maybe wouldn't, if I read it now, would I be interested in it? But at the time, it just captured my imagination, and I absolutely loved it. Um, it's the first, it's one of the earliest Marvel comics that I remember. You know, because because where I lived, I didn't, I wasn't close to like a big comic book store. I don't think I actually went into a comic book shop until I was, oh, I don't know, about twelve. Because I um right. yeah I I grew up in sort of like a small town Dorset like kind of nowhere mm-hmm. I mean and uh, yeah comic book in the nineties you start you started to get comic books in the newsagents oh what happy times they were <laughs> <laughs> the nineties boom but, oh, yeah. but before then you know there wasn't anything like that but um and I had the um, Secret Wars sticker album and which I absolutely adored and that that was what um got me into a lot of the characters just from looking at them. I, th- I think it was that visual connection, which, which Marvel had, you know, Marvel grabbed my eyeballs straight away. Mm-hmm. I mean, they were the ones that were like, this is the aesthetic I like, even though I didn't know what that word meant at that time. Yeah. You know, it's just bright and colourful and, the, you know, it's just full of action. You know, looking at, looking at the pages now, I can appreciate it in a whole new way. You know, and just, it's... It's like it's almost like an evergreen comic book for me. Do you know what I mean? I, I think everyone's first comic is that is that, isn't it? Really? Oh, definitely. Yeah. Yeah, and I know one of my choices that are late, later on in the list 
is another sort of evergreen title, despite the simplicity of its writing or or anything like that. But yeah, Spider-Man and Havoc um, is it's also like almost I think it's the middle part of a story, or is it? I think it's part one of two, and I think Thor turns up in in the next part, Brilliant. and I never had that next part. Oh no. <laughs> Yeah, so I never continued this story when I was a kid. I just read this story. So all I ever knew that, like, you know, that there was this pharaoh character who turns into, like, this huge bad guy at the end. Uh, What's he called? I think he's a monolith or something like that. What was he called? Uh, The Living Monolith. Um, There's a lot of, um, it's probably a lot of, like, Marvel encyclopedia folk out there probably going oh yes that character i remember him from yeah Texas. i bet there are <laughs> yeah but um yeah for me it was just, it was just cool visuals you know there was, there was a bad guy who turned i think he siphoned off the power of havoc that's why he was fighting havoc nice. and uh spider-man and spider-man was fighting him and then hits the bad guy who flies backwards and sort of spider-man accidentally activates this power sort of tube thing that was siphoning off Havoc's power that made the bad guy a a huge villain then so um, and it even ends like next Spidey joins forces with Thor as he learns whom gods destroy oh what a way to finish your comic book epic (laughs) that's a good cliffhanger isn't it yeah it it was just um, it's just great fun Uh, you know it's just I mean the, the cover was you know classic sort of Marvel sort of really colourful I think Spider-Man probably even though he's not necessarily my favourite character now um, I think he was the first one I I became attached to because just the visuals of him you know I I think Mm -hmm. that's why I'm always a sucker for that original Spider-Man costume do you ever have that I don't don't think it's almost um, it's a perfect costume the Spider-Man one Uh, yeah I mean it's it's probably the well I mean there's so many iconic Mm -hmm. not so many but a handful of iconic costumes but spider-man's in in that handful yeah and and the and the sort of the size of the eyes on the mask can can change with different artists and i'm okay with that you know some people draw the eyes being animate and -hmm. some of them it's just a flat mask that that's fine but for me that just the classic sort of red band you know sort of waistband type you know the original design it's just perfect for me so um yeah but i was you know, I didn't read any other Spider. You know, this was the only sort of Spider-Man comic I could get my hands on, and it was a team-up one. So I wasn't, I wasn't aware of the Green Goblin or any of that. Like when I was a kid, it was just in certain sort of. I would grab whatever comics I could. You know, whereas it is easier for me to get a lot of like the weekly sort of comics on the newsstands. The Marvel ones were the ones that I was, I always wanted to try and get. Um, so yeah, Marvel Team Up number six. Now, if I had to sort of narrow it down, I think there there probably is another comic book that I you know that I'm aware of, or I read, or some collection or something when I was a little kid. But this is the one. This is the earliest one that I remember being. Yeah, I read that to death. Um, I don't know how to this day. Yeah, yeah, and I, yeah, and I, I, I've great. now the copy I got now is is probably gonna get read to death. Uh, nice. Yeah, but so you're gonna have to get a, uh, get two. Yeah, I mean, the the price of this one, I got this one at a Comic Mart, and uh, obviously because it's John Byrne art, it's a little bit more expensive than uh, Mm. just your casual 50p issue or something like that. But it's worth it, it's worth it, I love it. And I I probably need to get the next part, don't I, so I can find find out what happens in the rest of this. Yeah, exactly, because how how long has this cliffhanger been hanging about? God, probably probably 30 plus years. Oh dear! I'd be yeah. dying to know what happens. Uh, yeah, <laughs> next I know, but it, 
It's one of those, like so many comics happened in between that first one and now that it wasn't probably until the the last five years that I thought, you know, I think I saw the cover somewhere online and I was like, oh, it all came flooding back and I was like, I need to get my hands on a copy of that one day. Um, my original sort of idea was to have it and then put it in a frame and have it up in like my studio space. Mm. But I got it and now I'm just reading it. <laughs> so, <laughs> and that's what comics are for, isn't read. it? Yeah, that's why you got. Yeah, why well, we love them. Definitely. So, yeah. Um. So from your uh, your stone tablets, um, <laughs> dictating to your followers in your in your ravioli cult, um, <laughs> you move on to uh, your next subject, which is the the funniest comic that you've ever yeah. read. Yeah, this one is um, a series called Bear by Jamie Smart. Now. He's a creator that people may know because he does a lot of work with the Phoenix. Um, I think it's Bunny and Monkey and things like that. You know, he's prolific, highly prolific. Um, he is kind of what, like one of my sort of comic idols, as it were. Same, same way of using the word idol. But certainly for the humor because um, this was a, a – I think Slave Labor put this out. Yeah, SLG Publishing. This was um, – this was in the my, the height of my sort of... Do you remember previews, the catalogue? Well, I say remember, it's still around. Do you remember previews? No, no, no. It was sort of like uh, comic books would use sort of previews to... Okay. Uh, I think it's Diamond. Diamond Publishing would put out a catalogue, essentially, that oh, right, okay. comic book shops could then pick out from this catalogue yeah. what, what they would order in and stuff. And you'd always find out what's happening in comics like three months ahead of what was going to happen. And they were always called to pick out. But then I saw this one called Bear that I... Um, asked a comic book shop to order and I got a couple of issues of it and it was it's black and white you know uh, Jamie's a, a, an English um, creator as well mm. and it was just just side splittingly funny I mean it, it's dark and it's twisted it's basically about a little um, a stuffed teddy bear um, that this guy lives with and some of the strips are, are just like one one page some of them are some of them are longer Um but you know, houses blow up, people are beaten up. There's weird, weird things happening all over the shop. Um, Jamie absolutely fills all of the pages with as much sort of as he can. Um, yeah, I, I, I took a look. Yeah, um, at them briefly, and uh, yeah, they're, they're jam packed. Absolutely jam packed. <laughs> sure. Like, and it's, it with the as well. Yeah, it is immensely fun. I mean, like there's, there's pages where because he hand letters everything as well. Some wow. you know, there, there's almost like no breathing space because like every single millimeter of the page is like humor and jokes, and even to the point of like he'll draw a little person in the background just sort of saying like one line. And that would just have me in stitches. Mm. Um, and the comic itself, you know, and Bear lives with um, a character who's a cat called Lushkin. Um, and I know Lushkin's actually moved on to the Phoenix and, and has become a bit of a cult in his own right. So he's become he's become an all-ages comic Lushkin, which he, he wasn't in Bear. Yeah, trust not in Bear. Yeah, no, it's not no, he, no, he wasn't. <laughs> um, but, but Bear also con- contains probably my favorite, favorite one page comic of all time amazing um i did ask jamie if he had the original art for it and unfortunately he got he he gave it to one of his friends years ago and it's just um it's just a page called molasses or molasses but i (laughs) i read it molasses um and basically it tells us this someone comes to this guy's door selling flags she looks at his face and he's got all this all these sort of 
all this black spots all over his face and she's like and she's a bit freaked out and he's like it's moles and she's go she's like all oh, right okay never mind and she walks away and he walks back into his house and there's a little mole on a table with a pot of blackberry jam <laughs> about to <laughs> flick it at him and the guy's just like please don't and the last panel of the page is just the mole just flicking jam into this guy's face and it's just it's just the greatest <laughs> thing ever I, it's one of those pages that's like, oh, I so, I so wish I owned that. I wish I created yeah. that. And it's, it's kind of, um, yeah. The humour in Bear definitely um, influenced me um, with some of the stuff I've done, like the, the, com- the comedy timing, which I think is hugely important. It also can be quite difficult to do in comics. Yeah, yeah definitely. And certainly when I, um, I did my first sort of little mini comic strip, um, Stalkerville, there was very, you know, that sort of dark humour was definitely influenced by things like Bear. And I've got, I've got two collections of them, which is Immortal and Demons, which, as you can tell, um, a book about a stuffed teddy bear, you're going to give them names like that, aren't you? Um, <laughs> but, yeah, I, yeah, I don't know how easy it is to get hold of them um, now, so I'm quite pleased that I've got them. Um, but they were hugely, they were brilliant comics and you know he's moved on to do other things i know there was like stuffed toys of bear and sort of became a thing unto itself but yeah uh, jamie jamie smart that you know when you read a comic and you're instantly a fan of that creator just mm. immediate yeah, yeah, yeah and bear was that feel a connection straight away yeah yeah yeah, yeah. so that that was that and ho- hopefully hopefully my loyal followers will um will laugh they'll, at they'll laugh at it or they'll be forced to I'm walk sure outside and probably yeah, get exactly. and they'll get eaten by the giant uh, lizard insects that are roaming the landscape. <laughs> Amazing. Um that's that's what a good dictator does. Yeah. Um so so the next uh, proclaimment from your 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 comic tablets mm. uh is the uh is the saddest or most upsetting comic yeah. that you've ever read. Yeah. This was um this is a um, tricky one. All of these were quite tricky to pick things for, actually. Yeah, they are. But for me, um, rather than one particular issue, um, I went for a couple of issues, which were the culmination of, a, so I think it was a 60-issue arc. And this was the final few issues of uh, The Boys mm-hmm. uh, by Garth Ennis and, and Derek Robertson. And when people think saddest or most upsetting, you know, probably the boys isn't the first thing that comes to mind because it has this reputation, you know, for over the top, you know, rude, crude, violent, you know, all these things that I think stereotype some of Garth Ennis's, you know, more comedic work. Um, but underneath it all, I, th- I think one of the brilliant things about Garth Ennis is he, he adds real heart and character underneath it all. Um, there were arcs of the boys that were completely over the top, like, you know, just these superheroes being horribly, you know, it was, you know, they were like sexual deviants, you know, every, everyone was just not a nice person in this world. Um, but, and there, there was some, some arcs that I thought, "Hmm, right. Okay. That one's not for me, but I knew in, in like about four or five issues, there'd be a new one and, you know, I'd be back on board again with, um, but the, the final few issues, I kind of don't want to spoil it. <laughs> I don't want to spoil it for anyone. But it is, 
Um, have you read the end of the boys? Have you? I haven't. No. no. Well, I won't spoil it for you. But the, because when you, I guess, after like fifty odd issues of being with these main characters, mm. you've gotten to know and you've gotten to love, or, or you, you know, you're just big fans of. Um, the way he ends the comic is both. You can't think of another way. If I think about it now, there's not another way that it could have ended. Um, but it's just, it's rip your guts out, sort of heartbreaking. It is every issue and the, and the pacing of it, every issue is like just a gut punch. And um, the artwork by sort of Derek Robertson in that, you know, it's not, there's nothing overly graphic about, you know, char- characters die, you know, some characters die. Mm. And, um, but it's, it's in the things that you don't see, or it's in the, it's in the way I put, you know, when, when someone's, being killed it's the look on the other person's face as it's happening yeah you know, and yeah. stuff like that the action of it and everything. yeah and that was when you saw for me i saw like the, the power of like Derek robertson's um artwork because facial acting's just very difficult it, it, you know it's oh, yeah yeah it's very, very difficult. difficult yeah it's something i'm always trying to get better at and i need i think i need to get better at and just you know, you're seeing these characters that you you know their faces for so long, but then they give you a facial you know facial expression that you didn't expect, and it just sucks all the life out of a room. So, for for me, it was it was powerful stuff, which is why when people obviously the, there's a TV show coming of the boys. Um, is there? Yeah, yeah. Right. Cool. Yeah. Which could be, you know, it's going to be a reverent sort of fun over the top. There's probably going to be swearing left, right, and centre, and they're, yeah, they're going to concentrate on that sort of aspect of it, you know. But I really do hope that they that they don't lose the sort of core of it, because mm. when that story ends up, because there's tragedy in that story as well. Um, so, and I think it, with some of Ennis's work, people think, I mean, it's like Preacher. You, I mean, pe- mm. people think a certain thing about Preacher because of the shocking moments, mm-hmm. but underneath all that, there's unrivaled sort of character work and sort of really emotional beats that aren't as publicized as, as like when people go, Oh, do you remember when that, that guy had like, you know, his, his head was carved. So he looked like male genitalia, you know, that, <laughs> you know, you know, people focus on that, the, the shock rather than the other stuff. The actual and, character building. Yeah. Yeah. So if anyone, if anyone out there has, has also read the last issue of the boys like me, I don't know why in an apocalyptic world, I want to make people sad. I guess I'd need well, them to read 50 does. issues before that as well, wouldn't I? Just oh, yeah, my... yeah, of course. Oh, have I got all of them? Yes. Yeah, oh. yeah, yeah, totally. You can have the have the entire volumes of the boys. Oh, brilliant. Yeah, no, just no to make problem. them cry at the end. Yeah, brilliant. Yeah, totally. Yeah. I mean, just just for anybody uh, listening that, that doesn't know, what's kind of the, the initial setting of the boys? Uh, the boys is essentially, um, they're a group of individuals um, that... that um, have certain powers, although that, that isn't it isn't so much identified what it is, but they're there to keep the superheroes in check because everyone thinks superheroes are great, but in real life, people with all that power, it goes to their heads and a lot of them aren't very nice. So there's a small group of individuals in long black trench coats. When anyone steps out of line, the boys will sort them out in usually a hilarious and quite brutal manner because <laughs> um, um, I think Butcher, Butcher Baker is is the leader of the, the team um the first thing he says is an <laughs> is a curse word that i i won't i won't allow on my show so i'm not going to say it here um <laughs> but you know he's the, he's one of those sort of mythic characters 
that when um I know when he's in a warehouse surrounded by loads of bad guys and they think they're and one of the team goes, Oh, I feel really sorry for them and someone says, You feel sorry for them? Why do you feel sorry for them? you know, he's in there and he's totally outnumbered. And now I he's I know I feel sorry for them because they're stuck in there with him. And then you see what Butcher Baker does in that sort of issue and you just think, Oh, he's a badass <laughs> you know so um yeah so that's the boys and uh, you know if um if you're interested in watching the series i'd definitely read the books first the first couple of trades are top stuff real really good yeah fantastic there you go uh, and and uh, moving on to the uh, next topic yeah um, you <laughs> you announce uh you the scariest or most horrifying comic that you've ever read <laughs> now um <laughs> why i'd want to haunt people as well i don't know why um scary i mean fear I, is control vince oh that's true. control that's true that's true yeah and i'm ruling by fear i must remember that um to, to truly scare a person someone in a comic i think is, is one of the hardest things to do um it's rarely happened to me most of the time i, I you know i enjoy horror comics but they go for a lot of the shock um, or you know, because it's comics, they go over the top gore or, or things like that, which is all good. But rarely have I been truly sort of creeped out by a, by a book. Um, funnily enough, by since the podcast, I've been introduced to so much new stuff, you know. So I have discovered stuff that has creeped me out. But the one that always sticks in my mind, um, which I've got as part of a collection, which is uh, Gyo by Junji Ito, um, which I know a lot of people. Are, um, know this book and certainly know this creator but i believe this this story that i'm about to talk about um is is also available online for free somewhere i think but it is the the enigma of amigara fault right um did you get a chance to check this one out i did i did it's <laughs> interesting it's it's weird isn't it <laughs> it's yeah <laughs> that's probably the best word for it yes and basically it's, it's a short story so we're not talking a, a long, long thing here but it's it's about this um this mountain that has these strange human shaped holes in the wall that seemingly they they they're so deep you can't like see what's in it um and i i, I don't want to spoil the end in this but certainly the the visuals at the very end um are creepy as hell properly creepy as hell um it was one of those things that as soon as i saw it i was immediately a fan of junji ito i know he's done some pretty weird graphic and you know properly sort of gross out horror which which is great i mean Gio itself is, is amazing but um he's also done a comic about um living with his cat which is like an all-ages okay. comic yeah but um <laughs> complete but, but yeah <laughs> and I, I think it was when it I, th- I think i put a shout out and sort of said oh is anyone is anyone found a comic that scares them you know and so many people said this one um really? you know that because yeah. it's it's haunting i, I well scary is a strong word i think something it that is but horrifying haunting, and haunting is yeah it's haunting is better because you know the the imagery and the ideas stick with you mm. um because a lot of like um the scariest moments are what would if that that if i was in that situation god how bad would that be and the whole situation that's especially towards the end of this story that's, that's given, I, it, it would just be terrifying, absolutely terrifying. It is, it is nightmarish, but it, it's also um, it's pretty easy to read as well. It's, it's, a, it's, a nice, it's a nice, simple narrative. 
um, slightly dreamlike. But when you you do sort of find out kind of what's in those shaped holes, and um, yeah, that's all I'll say. <laughs> but like I say, leave, I, leave the tension. Yeah, there. yeah, leave it there. I mean, most of my followers would read that and just think, "What is wrong with him? <laughs> <laughs> this guy? I don't know if we want him in charge." Yeah. <laughs> But I, 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 won't have, I won't have mutiny in my bunker. Exactly. You know. <laughs> um, and uh, by uh, by changing uh, changing things up a little bit, you kind of you're going to get them back on board yeah. with a bit more of a, a positive subject. And, yeah. and the next comic that you uh, you announce is the is the most meaningful comic to you. Yes. Um, this one is um, Stormforce which I've talked about a few times, but this was a strip comic strip that started in sort of battle picture weekly, um, which was, I think it moved on to Eagle. I think it was only available for like, uh, like a couple of years. Um, this was black and white sort of weekly comics in the UK. Um, and it was a standard, it was brought in when, uh, cause I think battle picture, picture weekly had action force, which became GI Joe. Yeah. Um, but when Action Force sort of left, when the toy line left, it left a gap. So they had to sort of create something. So they created this team called Storm Force, um, which are led by John Storm. And he's got like a, um, he lost his arm in a battle. And now he's got like a cybernetic arm that has like, um, he's got, a, he's got like different arms that he uses, like a flamethrower attachment. Or he's got a machine gun attachment. Um, he also drives a plane with it. You know, he can plug his arm into the plane and he can pilot the plane. Plug and play. I mean. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, he had a team. Um, there was Magnus, who was a, a sort of big, sort of brutish German fellow in a sort of exoskeleton sort of suit that made him extra strong. He was a strong man anyway. Then you had uh, Stiletto, who was the female of the... <laughs> I mean, stiletto for a female. I mean, that's a terribly generic name, but it was it was <laughs> the mid eighties, um, and Love. she had she had two awesome sort of like Uzi like machine guns. You know, she was a she was the stealthy one of the team. Uh, there was Porcupine. He was the one that looked the funniest <laughs> uh, <laughs> because he he had a he had a, like a bodysuit that was covered in knives. But when I say that, they. <laughs> It looked ridiculous. Like he could, he could make the sort of knives. Oh, I, I can't find a way to describe it. He could like Shoot pull knives off of him or something. He could sort of uh, pull these knives off and throw them at people. But also to defend himself, he could make the sort of knives go sort of rigid, to sort of defend him. You know, it would like a spiky sort of suit. Um, he was funny because he just he was miserable and he just wanted to fight all the time. There was Griffin, who was a Scottish man who was a ninja. And, uh, yeah, there was a couple of characters and they were all led by, uh, the mole who was like a strange mole man in a, he was like the professor X of the team. Um, and they would face terrorist threats every week. Um, and I, you know, now it was drawn by an artist called Avanio. Um, and this is an artist that is one of my favorite artists of all time. Um, he doesn't do anything now. I'm I'm not sure if he's still alive now. He's one of those ones that is very difficult to find anything about him on the internet. Um, most of the original pages have probably lost a time or, you know, when they just got rid of all of these pages back in the day. Um, but I made it my mission, like probably when I got into this comics game <laughs> again, I thought <laughs> I'm going to get those, like those 
battle issues and those eagle ash issues and i'm going to i'm going to find it in sequential order i'm going to scan it all and i'm going to make a book for myself because there will never be a collection of this there's no. no one there's no one hankering for this i mean there's there's loads of titles like this that you know how many people out there have read stuff and they'll never collect it it was one of your favorite comics when you were a kid but it was never super popular in the mainstream um so there, there will never be a collection of it. So I'm making my own collection, awesome. but but by doing it, and I'm sort of I, I'm I'm getting these old issues, which is proving great fun. You know the eBay search and yeah. like you know going to comic marts and stuff like this. And I never had this before. I'm not a, I'm not a, like an obsessive collector. I'm not like I'm not finding trying to find the complete run of Spider Man or something like that. But mm. I found that when when I wanted to do this. I suddenly became that kind of mentality. I need to know sure. because it's weekly as well. It's not numbers. I have to know which week I, I have, you know, oh, oh seven, I'm, I've got 7th of August and I've got 21st of August, but I'm missing the 14th. Let's go. Oh. Let's go to eBay. Uh, <laughs> and, and they normally tat it, but then I scan them in and clean them up and I'm trying to put them all together. But by reading it from the, and I've got quite a lot of them by reading it from the beginning, it's just an absolute joy you know, that sort of storytelling that was from that time where it's just very, just very simple. Cause all the strips were like six pages each. I think as it, as it went on, they went down to like four. Um, and a story would last probably about six parts. So you'd probably get like a decent full page, you know, a, a modern day sort of comic, yeah. you know, for an arc. Um, and reading it now, it's just, yeah, just seeing the bad guys. Cause they had a bad guy called the tarantula and all, all of his like henchmen had, basically spider like you know they, they weren't like the, if yeah. you're going to commit to an animal yeah you know, your henchmen have to you know yeah take yeah. part they, in that <laughs> they were all like that um but it was a when reading back at it i didn't realize this when i was a kid but there's a lot of death in it um but you're like, like right. bad guys get, bad guys get killed off normally there's no sort of like i'll get you next time spider-man oh, sometimes right. you get absolutely mullered <laughs> yeah <laughs> which like is shot cool. in the head yeah 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 some of them i I think one of them uh one one uh henchman threw a grenade at john storm and so john storm just naturally did like a one-liner and kicked the grenade back at him and then next panel you just see the bloke explode yeah (laughs) and then he just laughs yeah it's like one liner now you're dead just killed a guy you had a wife and two kids yeah yeah god (laughs) what's wrong with you yeah, there needs to be a book about those guys that you know all oh, the people yeah, the don't hear about. Yeah, but yeah, yes, the storm force is definitely um, in a in a strange kind of way. It's come back around to become the comic that I am. I love the most, if that makes sense, in a, in yeah. a weird kind of way. And it's certainly one that I, I've I've joked about this before, but I, I am kind of serious. If the license ever became available mm. or anything, I I'd step into you know, I, I would I would make that comic now. Amazing. I don't. I, yeah, I would totally just. I mean, so I don't know cool. who I'm making it for. I don't know who I'm making it for. But I would. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and that's kind of, that's what you got to do, isn't it? Really. Yeah. Definitely. Um. Yeah, but Stormforce was. Um. Yeah, I think I hope there's a lot of people out there going. God, I remember that. That was great. I'm sure yeah. there will be. I'm sure mm. there will be. Yeah. Um. And do you think that that kind of had a real effect on kind of your um your likes in comics i think so yeah yeah i think so um certainly the the artwork um for me that was 
that definitely um vanya does some great stuff with, like panel breaks and you know really plays with the page looking at it now it's absolutely stunning but it was just that i used to love a lot of sort of team sort of books as well mm. um and thinking about it now yeah i guess, I guess it part of it sort of stemmed stemmed from that i think yeah. i've always been more of a sort of team or at least a, a little motley crew of characters i mean in my in the red mask from mars uh, you know i know there's a title character but it's a team book it is it is completely a team book yeah so yeah i, th- I think it, i think it has and i think it will continue to do so as i as i read and reread um you know the the strips that i've got and you know is I will I will always go back to it. That that's that's the evergreen title. That's the other evergreen title that I'll be like, Brilliant. if I if if I want to read some of that, I know I'll read it with a massive smile on my face. As kitschy or like as dated as some of the dialogue or maybe or the setups, um, I just love it. Just absolutely love it. I, I, I don't mind that at all. Mm. Like yeah, you know, it, there's it, a charm. It's, isn't it's there? appropriate to that story, that yeah. type of story. You know, um, so yeah, it's uh, it's 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 a joy and. Uh, yeah, joy to read those. Type yeah, of it's the kind. Sometimes. It's the kind of uh, story that, like, you know, when the bad guys lying down on the ground in the end, and they sort of, they were like, oh well, you know, I guess, uh, you know, he never did the plan he was going to. But then again, he didn't know Stormforce was here to save the day. You know, and that's how the story ends. And <laughs> you imagine like the whole Thundercats. Yeah, you know, exactly. happening. Thunder, <laughs> thunder. Oh. Yeah, yeah. So I love it. Yeah. Brilliant. Mm. Um, and so the uh, the next subject, next comic uh, that you announce is is the most underrated comic of all time. <laughs> of all of all time, that wasn't on your... <laughs> That wasn't on the question, by the way. That wasn't on the question. But... I just said most underrated comic for you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, okay, so for me, the most underrated is one that came out in the mid nineties. It was kind of a similar sort of time as when I picked up Bear, actually. Mm. And it is as an American sort of indie book um, by NBM Publishing. Um, not exactly, not huge. I don't think they've done much. And it's by a, a creator called Richard Moore. Mm. And it's a comic series called Boneyard. Right. Now, um, Boneyard is basically about a guy called Michael Paris. And he basically inherits a, sort of a plot, like a cemetery plot in a town called Raven Hollow. So he turns up at, that, at the town to find out what he's inherited and what he can do with it. And the cemetery, um, and lots of people in the village want the cemetery gone and you know completely wiped off the face mm. of the earth why why do they want it gone because um it's full of like monsters um you know there's vampires there's a werewolf there's a there's a skeleton you know there's a witch in there there's all kind of creatures in there and they they think that those creatures are putting a curse on the town um but when like michael finds out more about it the creatures are actually really good <laughs> they're, good, they're good people yeah yeah they're good Brilliant. and not only that they're hilarious it's not one of those it's not like nightbreed or anything like that this is a it's a sitcom it's like a supernatural right. sort of sitcom as it were um including a, a nice sort of romantic comedy sort of storyline that goes through the issues um in sort of when it originally came out it was sort of black and white um i was immediately a fan of it because richard's work is I mean, I think this is completely... It went under everyone's radar. I think this is a book that came far too soon. Right. If that makes sense. Mm, I think if yeah. this sort of book was out now, published by someone like Boom, mm. this would be... A lot of people would be talking about this. 
there's wow. you know it's there's just a great sort of sense of humor it would you know it, it could be it would make great a great adaption into multimedia you know you can make yeah. a great netflix show out of something like this mm. um there was a lot of anim you know sort of imagination on, on show and uh and a lot of it was dialogue comedy which i quite yeah. like you've got these, you've got these crazy over-the-top monsters like there's there's two characters. There's Ralph, who's a werewolf, who you never see in human form. He's just like this. He looks about seven foot tall and about six foot wide. You know, he's like an American football player because it has a cartoony sort of style. Um, but he's always got a leather jacket and a pair of shades on. <laughs> and, uh, awesome. Yeah. And then um, I've got the name now, but he always hangs around with a guy who's basically a skeleton. Um, who's a, who's a like he's a real loud mouth sort of gambler. <laughs> um, and there's lots of characters like that. There's so it's like a motley crew of like different colourful characters, and um, they, he really fleshed them out in their own way. You can tell you, you sort of create this lineup, and as it goes on, they develop a little bit more. You know, you find a bit more to love, and there wasn't a single character um, that you didn't like. There was an under, like for instance, there was just a background character essentially that was just an undertaker who rarely said anything. But he would always just go around with a corpse, and when I say corpse, it wasn't a living corpse. This was he would just carry a corpse around with him, and it, but it was funny. Do you know what I mean? And there, and there was a real, there's a real heart in it. Um, there is a overarching sort of, you know, there's storylines in there. You know, there's there's like evil, there's like evil demons that want to get hold of the cemetery for themselves for other reasons and right. etc. Yeah. Um, and I, I definitely, I, I got the trades, uh, the black and white trades. I think I've got the first four. Yeah, but then um, they decided to reprint them in color. Um, so I've I've pretty much triple dipped on this book. I got oh, the wow. issues. Yeah, I got the issues when they were coming out, and then I got the trades like quite a few years later. You know, cause, mm. uh, probably an Amazon job. And then when I realised they were in full color, they went on the wish list. And then when I had some time and a little bit of extra cash, I I, I got the. I think I've got one more volume left to get because at the time he made it, and this is indie comics like early 2000s or something like that um he made it to issue 42 um yeah that that is very i mean that's very good going full stop but i i it did it ended quite suddenly it ended too soon for me um it was a little bit rushed at the end because but i think that's partly because i just wanted to go on but i remember in the last issue he wrote like a, a good couple of pages sort of saying you know i'm making this myself you know there's not you know, he's not like gangbuster sales or whatever. No. You have to think about the bottom line, and you know, so he's doing other things. No. I think I think he's known for. I mean, he draws an attra- attractive female. He's been known for like drawing some like sort of TNA type stuff. Even though he has a cartoony style, he can he can draw the human body, male or female, very very well. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think some of his other, you know, he's done other work that was more in that sort of ballpark the more mature ballpark if that mm-hmm. makes sense yeah, sure. this this book doesn't really have that it has a few moments of like oh yes he can he can draw the human figure um <laughs> yeah. but most of the it's time not it's not an like, all ages comic yeah I mean, it kind of, yeah the, the, it kind it of is, moments, is. it is it is i mean it's probably it's pg-13 without a right. doubt through the whole right. thing but there are moments that are um for the parents uh, and not just the kids shall we say and there's yeah but but i mean i i love boneyard i mean one of the great things about this list when i put it down on the list i was like i really need to read that again oh, you know? that's awesome. and and i think it is a book that 
that no one knows about, especially in the UK, like here in yeah, the UK. Yeah, I, I certainly no, it. no one knows about it. And it's not, you know, it's not, you won't find it digitally, I don't think. You know, I, I'd like to, I don't know what Richard Moore's doing now, actually. He's very good. Very, very good. But, hmm. And I think he's influenced my art style as well. Oh, right, yeah. Yeah, this is the sort of book oh, that's that, cool. It's the sort of book that I wish I could do one day. Yeah, because uh, early 2000s, when you were reading this, yeah, um, where were you in terms of uh, creating comics? I was nowhere. <laughs> right, yeah, you hadn't, you hadn't started anything. This, this was at the, yeah, no, this was at the point, because I, I came to comics pretty late. Right. I say, you know, in terms of creating, hmm. um, you know, I, when I was reading this, I was at college. Right. Um, but then and you I, were drawing... I I, yeah, I was, I was drawing, but I wasn't. I wasn't really, you know, I wasn't drawing any sort of comics as such. Like when I was like in my late teens and stuff, I worked with um, my friend Dan on like a couple of like comics that we made, but for ourselves, and they all drawn on A4. I mean, I yeah. still got the original pages, and we look at them now, and I'm like, oh my god, um, <laughs> which will never see the light of day. By the way, people, never. <laughs> <laughs> I want to see them. <laughs> oh god, no. and that that was about a character that is near and dear to our hearts that we may redesign one day, but you never know. Mm. Uh, but that's like 20 years ago. But then like I was reading comics and, and still drawing a little bit, but then I moved, you know, got a full-time job as a, a designer and, uh, you know, I didn't know how to start and certainly I didn't have any money to get anything printed or anything like that. So, um, and I, I made the mistake and, and I still do sometimes no idea was good enough. I was looking for the perfect idea. Does that make right. sense? Yeah. If I wanted, I wanted to do my first comic and I wanted to blow everyone away, so it had to be just right. It had to be, you know, this sort of story or whatever. So I would start ideas, make notes, and then lose interest or, you know, this wasn't right or that wasn't right. And I did this for years and years. Um, and then I got back it when I did Stalkerville. That was all done like with vector illustrations. That wasn't hand drawn, but that was purely because I just wanted to do something i started reading web comics and did that but the red mask himself he came about because i got i um no idea was good enough and then i was just doodling a like a i think an, an alien space vampire on a post-it note brilliant and i thought he's quite cool and then I, I drew this little character sort of fighting the space vampire and what that character looked like is what the red mask from mars is he came he came out Amazing. fully for, fully formed and he has not changed, um, the, you know, the, the costume, everything. It was just that was him. And no, because a great character. Oh, thank you, Dick. thank you yeah, very much. I think it's really cool. Yeah, and uh, like then I was like, okay, let's make a comic of, of this. But rather than tell anyone about it, rather than say oh, I'm working on this great thing, just make it yourself and tell mm -hmm. them afterwards. Tell when it's done, do it for yourself, and then I fin and then when you when it's finished, show people. And um, that's so that's what I did. And so when I went to people and sort of said, oh, I finished a comic. And then when you've just, when you finished, it doesn't matter if it's four pages or 20 pages. This was a 20 page origin issue. And I had done it all. So when I'd shown people, they were like, wow, you did all this. And it just gave me the confidence to just keep going with it then. And then, um, then I foolishly decided, right, let's do a five issue miniseries. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> I don't, I I am. yeah yeah i am hugely enjoying it and i'm drawing issue four now as we speak um 
but they you know it's been learnings because that's quite an undertaking it is yeah. um to do a five issue mini series and and all the things that's happened in between i don't know like a podcast Stuff. <laughs> yeah, exactly, and yeah. then the anthologies and and whatnot. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, yeah. I didn't. A procrastination uh, is the killer of many an idea and many a career, probably. Mm. Um, not not I call what I do a career um, at the moment or yet, but um, that's why I always sort of say just just do something. I I I spent a good fifteen years thinking well, well i could do this no that idea is not good enough oh this this isn't good enough just do it and yeah. and then yeah. i mean i think uh, when i decided to get stuck into it i mean there were lots of people already making comics long before i jumped in the game like the loose scannon boys and stuff like that you know sarah millman and afterlife inc and all you know all this was going i was stealing ideas from these people at conventions mm-hmm. um it wasn't it wasn't until i i got stuck in that i i then learned so much do you know what I mean from the first convention you appear at the world just explodes yeah absolutely. it really does yeah and I'm still I'm still learning now every day oh, yeah I don't, I don't think that ever stops yeah. and it, and it's these things I learn that will make me the leader that I am uh, oh, in yeah, this, yeah. this apocalyptic world absolutely speaking of which we're coming to the uh, the crescendo um, <laughs> of our uh, of our of your proclaimments um <laughs> and this uh claim me bloody hell <laughs> yeah, they're, yeah they're playing in the uh yeah. at the back <laughs> how far did they have to walk yeah. i think it was five, 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 five yeah five. about 499 miles i think it was <laughs> um and uh, you uh you announce for you what the best comic of all time is <laughs> right i don't know this mace this is probably the most um, difficult question and because you actually put of all time actually on the question I thought how can <laughs> how can someone answer this question um, so I picked one objectively this is this is one that I, I don't it's not like my favourite comic um, yeah. it's not but I, I think for what it is mm-hmm. and what, what it is meant to the comics world and what came after it um, and what it started for me um, Fantastic Four number one from 1961. This is Stanley and Jack Kirby, yeah. and and others um, is the best comic of all time, mm-hmm. um, purely because of what it signaled and what it gave what it gave birth to. Um, you can you can say as a fact, the world we live in right now would be oh, yeah. would not be the same world without that comic because without that comic, it would not have. Uh, you know, it wouldn't have steamrolled into other characters. There, you know, we wouldn't have this MCU universe, the Marvel movies, TV shows, or whatever, right, which um, you know came from the comics. People read the comics for God's sake. Yes, um, <laughs> original material. Please yeah, read it. <laughs> I, abs- I absolutely love all of the movies, but come on, you know, then go in a comic book shop and, and buy the comics. That's, that's where it, that's where the real stuff is. Um, but Fantastic Four, and if, if you read it now. And I've read it probably many times over the years, whether it be in reprints or digi- you know just showing up digitally or wherever. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, the story ha- hasn't necessarily dated well. You know, Jack, it's not Jack Kirby's strongest art. I mean, you look at some Jack Kirby stuff that he did sort of later and just mind-numbingly good. Mm-hmm. Um, and 
but what they were doing in those days was amazing anyway the, the amount of work that they had to put out oh gosh yeah. And I know, I know. for instance, Captain America was created before the Fantastic Four and, like, you know, he came in, blah, blah, blah. But but I think for this, this signaled uh, a sea change in what certainly um, superhero comics became. And, um, and which changed comics. You know, it was a tidal wave that completely changed comics. And the superhero comics are the ones that, you know... I, I loved. They're the ones I started off loving. You know what I mean? Uh, I, you know, I like all comics now, all kinds of comics. But I don't think I could do a superhero comic myself, actually. Um, but I mean, some would say the Red Mask is, but I don't think he is. It's, you know, it's much in the same way. I don't. I don't think Hellboy is a superhero comic. Do you know what I mean? It's, it's, yeah, you know, not, it's the same sort of thing. Not personally. But, um, yeah. yeah, but I don't. I would have thought by saying Fantastic Four number one. You know, how can you argue with that? Because <laughs> Yeah, no, um, not at all. Because um, it changed everything. It changed everything. Really yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, w- without them, you know. And, I mean, when- for the Fantastic Four, I think it was because I mean, I've I've watched multiple documentaries that are out there on kind of the the history of of comics and Fantastic Four. It was it was really the first time that you kind of have a team that's a family. Yeah. Um. First and foremost, and they argued. Yeah, as well. So, yeah. like, there were superheroes that were arguing with each other, you know, yeah. and just like a normal family does. It wasn't. Um, it wasn't. It wasn't perfect, all, so. you know, smiles and rainbows. Yeah, does um, it? Like, even if the even the good guys have problems. Yeah, I think it was probably the, the, the and that was like some of the issues, certainly with a lot of the earlier Superman stuff. Yeah, for me, it was it, it, everything was too perfect. Oh yeah. Yeah, you just know. clean cut, and mm. you know, he's always going to win, and you know, just uber powerful. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Just dug themselves into a hole there. Yeah, but yeah, yeah, and also, I think Fantastic Four um, has one of the greatest comic book covers of all time. Mm. Uh, uh, well, you know, obviously, like you say, Jack Kirby probably did a lot of other better covers, but you see that image, you know exactly what it is. You, you will never, you will never forget that image. Um, it's, it's the sort of image that I hope they recreate if they ever make a Fantastic Four film. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah amazing so, to see. Yeah, kind of I hope I surprise some people with that pick there because they probably yeah. might not think that I pick Fantastic Four number one. Um, considering yeah, I, I was probably a bit surprised that that, that was your choice, but really? I think, um, yeah, as you say, it's it really is kind of the yeah the foundation of yeah. what yeah. I mean, yeah, objectively, you know, I I don't think you can argue too much. It's certainly that pantheon of like one of the greatest comics of all time. Um, I mean, I when my, the zenith of like my comics, like just changing my brain and my world, you know, was the you know X Men number one times, you know, around that time, mm-hmm. um, you know, and and the sort of X Men, Uncanny X Men with Jim Lee and stuff. Like that. that was when you know <laughs> things changed for me and it was like everything was just amazing you know it's like everything was amazing even though some of it you look back at it now and it wasn't amazing but that's <laughs> <laughs> but that's time for you but it? um yeah yeah but w- those books wouldn't exist without what they did you know all those years ago so yeah, so, for, so for me it, yeah for me i mean marvel's my favorite company um well my favorite comic book characters and they would not be what they are 
or what they have been without that first one kicking off. So yeah. Yeah. Amazing. Good choice. Thank you. Um, and so uh, the the last question in regards to comics yeah. is, uh, you say, um, if we're going to have just one comic from this list, this would be the comic that you all must read um, to your followers. <laughs> which which yeah. comic is that that all of your would, followers must read? I would pick Bear purely because we're living in a nuclear apocalypse I am an absolute monster of a human being leading them, and uh, I, I think they just need a bit of levity. They just they Too just right. need to they just need to laugh sometimes, you know. You know, I'm I'm going to be working them hard. You know, they're going to have to wait on me hand and foot, and you know, and when I want something from the outside world, <laughs> you know, I, I I want them to in, enjoy surviving <laughs> the burned sands exactly. and, and mutant uh, beasts. <laughs> You're such a nice guy. I am. You I really am. are. You're I'm a good a bene- leader. I'm a benevolent leader. I think we can <laughs> all agree. So. Very much so. All hail the ravioli king. <laughs> Absolutely. This is going to live with me. I can't believe this. <laughs> the ravioli king. I love it. <laughs> it's so good. I, um, would get you to, I would get you to censor the word ravioli, but that would make it even worse if there was a bleep every time. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm not going to do that. Yeah. Um, but uh, as the ravioli king um, you get to take um, a weapon tool or useful (laughs) item into the apocalypse with you and and what would that be Um, quite simply uh, I know you probably lots of people will say weapons won't they normally when it comes to this they think of a blunt force trauma weapon or maybe a shotgun no I'm going to go for a water purifier because in the apocalypse there's probably no element that is more valuable than clean water and i think he who controls the water controls the world bingo um <laughs> it, well that and ravioli well um, yeah so <laughs> well you can what you can wash down the ravioli with the water you see that, that's how it's all <laughs> there about. you go first, so, first you can't make a cup of tea without water and we all have a nice cup of tea. Oh, tea, right? You need. Mm. You'll definitely need that in the apocalypse. Yeah. Um. Well, that's that's amazing. <laughs> and uh, Vince Hunt, thank you so much for uh, for sharing your comic choices. Um. For for your nuclear dictatorship. Thank you um, very much, dude. I shall let fantastic. I shall let you lead. You'll be one of the lucky few who will be able to um live in my bunker. Yes. <laughs> amazing. <laughs> but you'll have to do the work. Yeah, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm not shy of uh, getting my hands dirty. Um, so whatever you need done, I'll get it done. Milk and one, please. One Milk guys. and one. Thank you. <laughs> I'll put the kettle on. Um, excellent. Um, well, for the for the listeners, one more time, uh, where can they find you on the interwebs? Yeah, you can find me um, on Twitter and Instagram at Jester Diablo, where I normally announce all kinds of things. And if you, yeah, and the Awesome Comics Pod is at the Awesome Pod on Twitter as well. So if you want to follow us there and find out what we do there, as well as um, we're on iTunes and Spotify and all that jazz, as well as on Podbean. Exactly. So you can just search search in those uh, podcast services, yeah. and uh, the Awesome Podcast, uh, Awesome Comics Podcast will come up for sure um and uh do, do you have any other kind of projects coming up uh this year apart from red mask um the, obviously the red mask issue four is out later this year i um, just announced today 
I'm working, I, I announced online that um, one of my first writing projects with an artist is going to be out later this year, Amazing. which is a, a book with Gareth Slightholm, um, which is called uh, Cold Water Cove, Ooh. which is, um, it's, it's, as I keep saying, it's about estrangement, estrangement, uh, family bonds, uh, Lovecraftian survival horror, and a giant monster. So, uh, <laughs> so that that'll be out later this year. I'm hugely excited about that one. And that's uh, where the Ravioli King's going to be featured, right? Uh, yeah. Oh, of course. <laughs> Wait, he's he's going to be featured in everything I do from now on. Um, <laughs> I'm just imagining his crown kind of crimped like ravioli. <laughs> like, the oh yeah, only fresh pasta, my friend. Only Too fresh. Right. <laughs> too right <laughs> keep yeah. fresh yes but other than that i've got i've got a few um i've got a few other projects so many projects coming out this year so just yeah so stay tuned to my twitter because i haven't announced too much yet but i but i will do and i'm hugely excited about them so yeah it's gonna be a busy busy old year busy old Straight year up. yeah yeah, yeah. Um, but it's gonna it's it's gonna be an exciting year i think there's there's lots going on in the uh, in the world of indie comics yeah um and uh, yeah the awesome uh comics podcast uh, is a is a great place to learn about all of that. So, uh, oh, thanks. To definitely, definitely go subscribe to that too. Thank you. Thank no, you very much. All right, um, and thank you for uh, for sharing your comic choices today. Yeah, it's been fun. And for your time, Vince, it's, it's been a real pleasure, mate. Thank you, dude. It's been been uh, awesome, although somewhat enlightening to find out the sort of person I'll be in the apocalypse. <laughs> Absolutely, very enlightening. <laughs> um, I'm making notes as as we speak. Um, <laughs> <laughs> thanks again, uh, Vince, and I, I look forward to seeing you soon, mate. Brilliant. Cheers, mate. Bye. Thanks again to Vince for being on Comics for the Apocalypse. It was absolutely awesome. See what I did there. Hmm. However, if you did enjoy the show today, please leave a review for us on iTunes or whichever podcast service you use, as not only will it let me know that you liked it, but I believe that it makes others aware of the show as well. And if you'd like to check out Vince's work or follow him on social media, those links are in the show notes, along with all of our own links to the various areas of the internet. And finally, as long as the apocalypse doesn't come to pass in the next week, I'll see you next Monday. Bye for now.